told that the Cutler campus, I'm going tech, I'm going tech now. But I always have my hard copies next to me, just in case. <clears throat> you know, we sang that song, um, God is always enough. He's more than enough. And I believe that, and I, I believe you believe that, but there's sometimes life gets hard, and it brings questions to us. And it's not that we don't believe in Jesus, it's not that we don't believe in God, but we struggle. And the struggle makes things hard. And we start questioning the Lord and asking you know, I, I need this, but I don't know if God's willing to give it to me. Um, I'm needing healing. I'm needing uh, forgiveness. I'm needing, needing a lot of things, but uh, maybe I'm not worth it. Maybe I'm just not the guy. Maybe he's passed me by. Maybe this is God's will. And I want to speak to you about, uh, share some scripture with you today uh, to bring us to what the truth is about God's will in our lives. So I'm going to read from Mark chapter 1. Verse 40 through 42, and I have a few different versions I want to read through just because they say things a little different. I'd like to expound on them. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man and I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now, indignant, I looked it up just to make sure what it meant. Indignant means a feeling or showing a feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. Uh, the, that was in the NIV version. This is the New King James Version. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Imploring means making an earnest or desperate appeal. And then Matthew 8, uh, 1, and th- 1 through 3 is another account of the same, another version of the same account. It says, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and... And touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this word, Lord. And I know, Father, this word is for someone here today. I know it might be for more than a few today. I pray that you would touch our hearts and let them be open to hear and to receive, Father, the word. I pray you open our ears, Father, our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes to see and perceive what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst us today. Draw us to you, Lord. Draw us to you, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And let us see the power of your Holy Spirit in action here this morning, Father. Not words of men's wisdom, Lord, but your power in Jesus' name. Amen. God is always pursuing you. God is in pursuit of you. We often hear say, uh, people say, I found God. Well, it's really he, he was looking for you the whole time. Uh, he was giving you things in your life along the way, along the journey, trying to attract you to him. And you could probably look back at those times in your life where you can see that was a moment. That was a moment. That was, it could start off with, you know, for us, it was my mom. Uh, the bus would come around. Any bus that went to church, they'd say, stop by our house and throw the kids on there and we'd go. That's just the way it was. But along the way, there was always God reaching out and tugging on our hearts and trying to reveal himself. And, you know, there's a lot of aspects of God. 
and I get to know him in a new way with every everything that I encounter. So God is pursuing you. And Jesus says in John 6, 4, 4, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. So it's not you saying, you know what, I want to go pray. That's the father drawing you saying, go pray. It's not you saying, you know what, I need to do something different. I need to go fast. That's the father drawing you saying, go fast. So think you need to think about those things. That's the way I think about it. I don't think about, you know what, it's because I chose to fast for three days that this happens. Like, you know what, God drew me to, to fast for the purpose of what he was going to do. Uh, John 6, 65 says, goes on and says, he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled them. Enabled means to provide with the means or the opportunity. It means to make possible, practical or easy. He sees you where you are and he sees you how you are. And he also sees the cards the world has dealt to you. Some good, some not so good. God is drawing you and providing opportunity after opportunity to know the love of Jesus and his absolute goodness. So let's look at this leper. The leper is a person suffering from leprosy. Leprosy, the definition of that is a contagious disease that affects the skin, mucous membranes and nerves, causing discoloration and lumps on the skin. And in severe cases, disfigurement and deformities. Anyone ever watch Braveheart? There was a king in there that had leprosy. Have you ever watched the kingdom of heaven? There's a king in there with leprosy. So there were certain things that lepers, uh, lepers had to uh, abide by in the Old Testament by law. In Leviticus 13, 45 to 46, uh, this is what they had to do. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkempt. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Today's definition of a leper is a person who is avoided or rejected by others for moral or social issues. Well, this story begins actually before this happens with Jesus pursuing. So he has started his ministry and he's been casting out demons. He's been healing the sick. He's been teaching in the synagogues and preaching. And so he's been doing this throughout the town of Gal- the towns around Galilee there. And. This the Bible says that there came a leper to him. This leper came looking for Jesus for some reason. Sounds to me like this leper. Maybe had heard about some of the miracles that were going on. And this leper. uh, Having my technical difficulties here. uh, You might say this leper was being drawn to Jesus by the testimonies of others. This leper was more than curious about the miracles because undoubtedly the stories from the surrounding towns were being spread by word of mouth. Now, has anybody ever heard something by word of mouth? Like someone told you something that happened. Um, We know that the word of mouth testimonies are often, how shall we say, embellished, inaccurate. So we want to see it for ourselves. This reminds me of a story of Kelly and myself. Kelly told me this story about her uncle one time. I'm going to tell it the way she told it. The Vietnam vet, for, uh, Vietnam vet, he is also a pastor. And he was driving down, I think, 17 out in the uh, Santa Cruz area. And you know how it's windy in there. And so he's driving at night 
And somehow, for some reason, he goes off the road. He goes off the side of the mountain, rolls, falls. He ends up uh, being knocked out. He wakes up and he finds himself still alive. So he crawls himself out of this car. And then he has to climb up this mountain, steep mountain. So he starts climbing up the mountain. And then out of nowhere, a wild boar attacks him. He's fighting off this wild boar. So he got something, a shank or something from his back pocket and just hacked this thing up and just chopped it up. He's a he's a vet, right? He throws it over and crawls up to the top. He's all bloody. He goes up there. And he's looking. He's, hey, help. Somebody help. So all they see is this guy bloody, right? He's just all messed up. No one's going to stop for him because who is this guy in the middle of the road coming out from the woods? And so I looked at her and I said, that's an amazing story. I said, you know what? Are you sure that's what happened? And she goes, that's what happened. I said, I'm going to ask your uncle. And she goes, go ahead, ask him. So I said, all right. So the time comes where the uncle happens to be around. I said, hey, Uncle Glenn. I said, hey, can you tell me the story about the wild boar? And he goes, the wild boar. I said, the wild boar, the one that attacked you when you went rolling down the hill after you fell over the mountain because of that wreck. And he goes, no, no, what happened was I was driving down the road after I was uh, preaching and this boar came across and I hit it with my car and I ran off the edge and I rolled out and I popped out of the car and I came up and then people wouldn't stop because they said, who's this crazy guy on the road? So I looked back at Kel and I looked at it and said, wild boar, huh? And of course... Uncle Glenn started laughing just as much as anybody else. And uh, she couldn't live it down for a while because I just, you know, you just look at from now on, just look at her and say, wild boar, huh? And then, you know, that'll be it. So I had doubts about this story and I went to find out for myself. So doubt is usually our first instinct. And maybe it was for this leper. But watch what he does and listen to what he says. In the scripture, it says, and I'm going to read the three different versions. Uh, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. Next version came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him. Next version came to him and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This sounds to me like someone's faith in action. It doesn't sound like he's curious about, oh, I wonder what's going on. It sounds to me like he knows something. This is faith in action. This leper had a question in this. It doesn't have a question mark in the scripture. It says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. But he's asking a question in here. It's a question I want us to get get to get across here. It's, the question is not what you think it is. He wasn't questioning whether Jesus could heal him. He was questioning whether Jesus was willing to heal him. And that's a question that we have sometimes. You don't doubt that Jesus can heal you, but you're wondering Will he heal me? Is it his will? And I want us to answer that question today without a doubt. I want you to notice his posture. He was worshiping. He was kneeling. He was even addressing him as Lord. This was an act of faith. It was a man's heart drawn by the father's love, enabling him to believe in Jesus. He had a hope that if Jesus had healed others, then maybe perhaps he would heal me. Now, something you have to understand that in those days, they connected being diseased or uh, having infirmities of any kind with you having sinned. So if you are a leper, it's because you sinned. If you were blind, it's because you sinned. If you were lame, it's because you sinned. Something happened in your life that you sinned, and that's what happens as a result of you sinning. That's what they believed. I want to read you an example John 9, 1 to 3 says, as he went along, this is Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. 
His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So now think about this leper. This leper is thinking, you know what? Uh, I'm a sinner. I'm, a, I'm leprous. But now all of a sudden he starts thinking, hold on a second. If those others were healed, then Jesus must have had mercy on them. And he must have pardoned their sins in order for the healing to occur. And if he's willing to pardon their sins, then maybe he will have mercy on me and forgive me of my sins. And maybe he'll heal me. Now, I'm sure there was doubts, just like there's always doubts. But maybe my sins are too great. Maybe I've gone too far in my sin. Maybe I'm being punished by God. Maybe I'm unworthy. And maybe this is God's will. But then something else probably popped into his head and he probably thought, but I got to know. Maybe he'll see me right where I am. Completely broken. Unclean. And having to announce it to all. Torn clothes. Unkept hair. My lower face covered. And my my voice muffled from communication. Forcing me to shout my shame. Living alone outside of camp. A person who is avoided and rejected by others. For moral and social reasons. Maybe that's some of you today. Doubting if Jesus is willing to make you clean. Now I've been praying this week and this week hasn't been a fun, happy, easy week. But in my prayer, I've really felt that like the Lord is like he knows your heart. He knows where you are and he knows your questions. And he's bringing this to you to grab a hold of you and to set you free from the lies of the enemy and from any stronghold that hold you. They say that he is not willing because God is willing. Maybe you're completely broken, walking around spiritually with torn clothes instead of garments of praise, unkept hair or an unkept crown. Walking in shame and the world and devil accusing you of it. Living alone and isolating yourself outside the camp of believers. You feel avoided and rejected by others and think God is punishing you. But God sees you. Nahum 1 and 7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. He knows your name. He knows when you cry out to him. He knows when you call him. He knows when you just groan or when you just cry. He knows you. He knows who that is. The leper was certain that Jesus was able to heal him. He was not sure that it was his will. But Jesus' response settled that question. In the New Test, in the, in the King James Version, Spirit-Filled Life Bible pastor uh, gave to me, there's a section called Kingdom Dynamics. I want to read you a little bit of what it says here about this verse. It says, May we not be certain that it is the Lord's will to do that for which he has made redemption provision? That's saying, we should be certain that it is his, that it is his will to do that which the cross was made for. That's what he's saying. At the same time, one cannot be intentionally living in violation of God's will and expect his promises will be fulfilled. 
So if we are intentionally living in violation to God's will, then, yes, we need to stop and turn around and do what's right. But where biblical conditions for participating in God's process are present, they have to be met. If God is asking you to partner with him in your healing, you are to partner with him in your in in your healing. If he's calling you to partner with him in your forgiveness, then we must partner with him in forgiveness. But let us not avoid either God's readiness or God's remedies by reason of the question of his willingness. So they're saying, don't question his willingness. God is ready and God has your remedy. That's what it's saying. The Bible continues and says, then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. I want you to notice something. It was not lawful for Jesus to touch the leper. We just read the scriptures that said that you're supposed to shout unclean, unclean. You're supposed to uh, keep your hair unkempt and your clothes ripped up and you're supposed to be alone. All of that is to signify you are a leper and you are not clean and everyone's supposed to stay away from you. But Jesus did something crazy here. He touched the leper. Some would say he broke the law. Jesus did a lot of that. Would it seem like he's breaking the law? And the people that said that failed to see the heart of God. He's about people. We always talk about in education, we're about people, not programs. He's about people. And in this instance, he touched the leper. Jesus here exhibits an authoritative freedom over the law, which prohibits such physical contact with the leper. So know this. The Bible often states that Jesus was moved with compassion during his healing ministry on earth. This remains in effect today. When his Holy Spirit is moved with compassion, he will exhibit authoritative freedom over your circumstances. So whatever you're going through right now, whatever the question in your mind is, whatever you're facing, you might say, you know what, I, this, these are the rules I've got to play by. These are the things that have to happen. But when God is moved with compassion, he takes authoritative freedom over your situation. What you didn't think could happen, he can do and he's willing to do. What you thought was impossible is possible and he's willing to do it. This is for someone today. You've been struggling with this. You've been hurting because of it. You've had a tough time moving forward because this holds you. It's a stronghold in your life. Be set free from that today. The truth of the matter is God is willing. His cross is our symbol for everything. He gave it all for you on that cross. Don't think, well, it's not God's will. The the the, the section in the Bible commentary also said uh, we often use if God is willing as a, uh, a way. It's, it's, a, it's our fear, our fear that it won't happen, our fear that we'll blame God for it. So we say, well, if God's willing, that's like it's like a way out. The way out is through Christ. The way out is that he is willing. We have to ask him. I think about myself and the times where God used authoritative freedom in my life. In my life, I had an injury to my back, uh, probably from football, wrestling, or both. And I had I found out that I had a pinched nerve. Uh, I had a ruptured disc, lower back, uh, little fragments there. And it was uh, protruding and pinching my sciatic nerve. And so it went all the way down to my leg. 
and I couldn't move. I mean, I was walking, you know, I was walking like this. I was on my bike going to Fresno State pedaling with only my right leg, not my left leg. It was pretty bad. And I got to the point where I was in so much pain. I was in my apartment. I was trying to get to my car and I couldn't make it. I was trying to get out of my car and I couldn't make it. I barely made it back into the apartment. I was living with my brother, who's here today. Saw that. And uh, I ended up just kind of dropping on the floor, just crying in pain. And I literally wanted to die. I mean, I want not that I, my I, mom was in so much pain, I couldn't take it anymore. And I was asking, Lord, just take me, take me right now. And I asked my brother, can you call my oldest sister, Fida, who's a prayer warrior. And uh, he said, I'll call her. So he called her and she's in Reedley and I'm in Fresno. She drives up there and she gets to our apartment. And she comes in praying and she lays hands on me and start praying in the spirit. And I'm on the ground. And I'm just, Lord, heal me, heal me, heal me. I'm just I need your healing. And then she said something to me. She said, OK, Jesse, now get up. And I said, I thought in my head, it's going to hurt. I'm in pain. I can't get up. It's going to hurt. And she said, Jesse, get up. And I had this little battle in my head about the pain that's going to have or whether to get up or not. And I remembered uh, reading a book by Reinhard Bonnke, uh, a great missionary to Africa and evangelist. And he had uh, this. He, he said this in his book that he was going into his healing ministry. But the healing ministry guy was there and then he took off on him because the Lord told him to leave. And he was stuck there with the whole uh, camp meeting ready to go. And. He said, you're supposed to do it. I'm out of here. And he's like, I've never done this. And so he walks out there and the the devil starts telling him, uh, what if nothing happens? What if you lay hands on somebody and nothing happens? And then this is a fear in his heart. And then finally, he says back to the devil, the question is not if something will happen. That doesn't matter. I will be obedient to what the Lord tells me to do. And that's what started his healing ministry. So in that moment, I thought it doesn't matter if it hurts or if I, it doesn't hurt when I get up, I will be obedient to what I'm being told to do. And I stood up and I didn't feel anything. And she said, now walk around. I walked around. I didn't feel anything. She said, now, I'm crying this whole time. Now jump up and down, jumping up and down. I don't feel anything. She said, all right, now walk around. She's marching around and doing her thing. And I was like, just so excited that the Lord intervened. He took authoritative freedom in my situation. <laughs> Because if you know how bad it hurts, I know you know, Abe, how bad it hurt and how long you have to deal with certain things in your life. And when the Lord steps in and just takes that authority, it's all you need. It's all you need. We have that promise in Christ. I have... Another time where God stepped in, and that was in my youth, where he forgave me of my sins. Do you guys all know how it is? Whether I was 17 or 21, I was always at the altar. I tell my kids this, that I found myself constantly at the altar, living there, asking and wondering, how long do I have to keep doing this? How long do I have to keep falling on my face and sinning after sinning after sinning? How many times can you forgive me? And I know the scriptures say 70 times 7, but Lord, come on. I'm just a kid trying to make it, right? But I found myself at the altar many a times. And at the altar, I found redemption. So many times I found freedom at the altar. There was a song that one of my old youth pastors used to sing. It was, I don't remember how, what the title of it was, but it, it went something like, um, uh, that's what this altar is for. 
But that's what this altar is for. You don't have to carry those burdens anymore. Come quickly now before they close the door. That's what this altar is for. So I remember that, that there is a purpose for the altar. There is a purpose for the altar. People used to look at the altar as being a holy place. I don't know how it's looked upon now, but we have an altar that we can come to. And whether I was 21 or I'm 51 right now, he continues to forgive me. He takes authoritative freedom over my circumstance, over what my mind thinks, over the foolish mistakes I've made, over the things that we have to face and try to overcome. And he brings me through it. And he's able to say, hey, it's not you, Jesse. It's my blood. It's my cross. I think someone said it. Maybe it was pastor. He hasn't called us to be perfect. We're not. He's taking authoritative freedom over me and my situations. I thought I had lost my kids spiritually a few years back. My wife and I both. Thank you. Coming back from Yuba City. The long journey. Hard journey. I'd say a desert journey. And uh, to know that I mean, we love our kids and to see the direction they were going and that I couldn't do anything about it. It was a ship just going the direction it was going. But God took authoritative freedom and said, just step back now. Let me do the rest. And really, Kelly and I just stood back. We still prayed. But it was no longer the talks. It was no longer... The what are you doing with your life kind of thing. It was, it was nothing on our part. Suddenly, my kids started posting scriptures on Instagram. Started seeing them at the altar. Started seeing a change in them. They became my encourager. Not my exhorter. They, they became what I have always desired them to become. And that's close to Jesus. The journey's not over yet. The journey's never over. But they, they are pursuing what I have always pursued and he who has pursued us. And that's, I think, the biggest part of this whole thing, that we're on this journey. We're just trying to get to somewhere. And it's Jesus, the Bible says here that he was moved with compassion. And I had a question of what moved him to compassion. Why was he so compassionate towards this leper? Was it the leper's suffering? Was it his worship? Was it his act of faith that Jesus could heal him? Was it his doubt that even though Jesus could heal him, he may not be willing to heal him? I think the answer is yes. I think it was all of the above. I believe it was the journey that brought him to Jesus, to his feet that moved Jesus with compassion. I believe Jesus was moved by the leper's journey of faith. Being drawn by the Father and enabled to draw near to Him and cry out a statement of faith. If you are willing, I know you can make me clean. Where are you on your journey? Where are you on your journey of faith? Because even today, the Holy Spirit is moved with compassion. And He can take authoritative freedom over your circumstance today. 
You know, the Bible also says Jesus was indignant. Now, indignant is a feeling or showing feeling or showing anger or annoyance of what is perceived as unfair treatment. Angry because of something that is wrong or unfair. Jesus loved this leper and was not only moved with compassion, but also was angry that one of God's children needed grace and compassion. But instead, life had shown fear, rejection and ambivalence. His anger was towards the destructive influence of sin in this world. God created a world that would be the perfect place for you and me to live in community with one another and with him and with his son and with the spirit. A world that didn't question if it is God's will to make you clean. The cross shows us God's redemptive love and his will to offer up his only son to take our place and answer the question or and to answer us. I will to our question of if you are willing. I'm at the end of my message here. This life deals with a bad set of cards. Sometimes we question if God sees us in our suffering or even hears our cries. The Bible says he searches our hearts and he knows us even better than ourselves. If you're like the leper wondering if Jesus is willing to make you clean, he is. You don't have to wonder about that anymore. He is willing. If you feel like the leper, an outcast, alone, crying out your shame, It's time to cry out your hope in Jesus. Make it an act of worship. At the end of the scripture. The Bible says immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Your need is an immediate need. And God will will immediately Meet that need today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you, Father, because you prepared our hearts and you prepared this word for somebody, Lord. And you know their name. And you've called them, Lord. And you've spoken to them. In that still, small voice, you have moved them, Lord. And you also have been moved, Lord, with compassion. Because you know where they are and you see them, Lord. Remove the doubts from their heart, Lord, of your willingness, Lord, to answer their requests and to cleanse them and to heal them, Lord, and to deliver them, Lord. Remove those strongholds and those lies, Father, that have attacked them, Lord. May they walk in freedom, Father. May they come to you, Lord, as the leper came to Jesus. May they fall in worship. May they kneel, Lord, before you, Lord, acknowledging you, Lord, that you are the only one. They've heard things about you, Lord. They've seen things, Lord. And now they're asking Maybe he'll heal me. Maybe he'll cleanse me. Maybe today is my day. You said you are willing, Lord. You said you are willing.
pray, Father, you would take authoritative freedom over whatever circumstances, Lord, your people are going through right now. And as we open the altars, Lord, you would do a miracle, Lord. Immediately, Father, a cleansing, Father, from the inside out, heart, soul, spirit, mind, and body, Lord. By the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, you said we would overcome, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord. Amen. If the Lord is speaking to you, if he's calling you to come up to the front, I want to open the altars right now so you can come up. We want to pray for you. We want to give you that opportunity that God would minister.